I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Years ago, when working as a hospice chaplain in Chicago, I visited people's homes all over the city, from penthouses overlooking the lake to public housing on the south side. One home I visited was in, was in Avondale, a traditionally Polish neighborhood. It was a neighborhood of neat, small bungalows. You could almost feel the 1950s there, a time when men were strapping and left early each morning for the mill or for the factory, laboring to support their families. In one of those homes lived a couple younger than I expected on hospice. A hospital bed dominated their small living room. In the bed, a rangy man, tall, large-boned, clearly a former manual worker, but now reduced to skin and bones, bedridden, unable to speak, after a devastating stroke in his late 40s. Next to him, caring for him, was his devoted wife, a woman more comfortable in her native Polish than English, whose life had been upended. Suddenly, she was in charge of making all the decisions. Her job now had to pay their bills. She had to keep up the house, that small, neat bungalow that meant so much. And she had to care, had cared for over a decade by then, for her bedridden husband, feeding him, bathing him, learning basic nursing skills to do all that was required. What she didn't have to do, but did, was caress him with such love as she moisturized his face and body after each bath. What she didn't have to do, but, but did, was whisper in his ear how much she loved him, even as she was cleaning his feeding tube. What she didn't have to do was brush his hair neatly and shave his beard carefully and keep him dressed in real clothes rather than the sick clothes of pajamas and hospital gowns. Her world had ended. She had suffered devastation, utter chaos. All she had known, all edifices of normal life, the structures that brought meaning, gone. And yet she and he endured. She persisted calmly in loving and caring for her husband. Over the years here, I've watched so many of you do the same with loved ones, spouses and friends and parents. I've watched your world end as you faced that disease or accident had just changed your beloved forever, that death was coming. 
and then I've watched as you squared your shoulders and decided how to go on, how to spend time together, how to keep going, even how to find joy with a good meal from time to time, how to provide assistance and love by taking over once simple tasks like buying groceries or cutting the lawn, how to take on hard tasks, bathing another, clipping nails, learning how to inject insulin and change bandages, sometimes with grace, sometimes just with fierce resolve fueled by love. Apocalypses come more often than we might like to admit. They are alarming. They can paralyze us, they can exhaust us, they can cause us to be afraid or become cynical. But when we are fueled by love, we learn that we can endure, that we can face our world ending. And then we can find that there is new life. Now no one looks for an apocalypse, at least they shouldn't, despite those who seem to take glee in warning of impending doom. And most of us feel pretty sick to our stomachs when we look back on times of, of upheaval and chaos in our own lives or in the lives of our community or in our nation or world. And yet in the midst of chaos, we can endure with grace. We can offer a witness to love and to hope. This is what Jesus is getting at today. He knows that the very temple that awes the disciples with its vastness and grand style, with the richness of ornament and the obvious wealth and power it represents, Jesus knows that even that, even that, the place they trust and love and revere as the holiest place in their faith, the place where they feel God most closely, most keenly, even that will one day come to an end. The disciples beg to know when such a terrible event, their whole world ending, when will it occur? How will they know? And Jesus says to them, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by signs and warnings of chaos and violence and destruction. Don't lose heart in the face of wars and natural disasters. Don't even lose heart in the face of persecution or family strife. In all of this, in the midst of the world ending, in the midst of chaos and apocalypse, as things, as people we love change and suffer and die, we are not to lose hope. We are to remain faithful. In a time such as this, or maybe any time, that can sound ridiculous. It can sound impossible. After all, we are inundated with endless news in our Facebook feeds and in that breaking news that crawls under the nightly news. We are inundated by tweets from the Oval Office in the midst of impeachment hearings. 
We hear of suffering immigrants and another mass shooting. We worry about an economic downturn, still very skittish after the last one. The world is always ending or threatening to end. That's just the way it is. The question is, how do we face that? And how will we be in it? In this current moment, in this time when we are overwhelmed and inundated with news of war and rumors of war, with political scandal and rumors of political scandal, when a highly regarded monthly magazine asks on its cover how we can avoid civil war, when we face the temples that we love, recently Notre Dame on fire, now St. Mark's Basilica and Venice underwater, we face them perhaps not lasting when natural disasters, hurricanes to our south and fires to the west, when all seems to plague us, how are we to be? Are you angry and consumed by this news? Do you spread the rumors and gossip and bad news yourself? Is anxiety eating you alive? Are you consumed by the busyness of checking the news over and over, checking Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? Or have you grown so weary that you're now numb or cynical too tired to care. The world is always ending, but we are not to end with it. Just as we know we are capable of enduring, of being joyful and loving, kind and hopeful, even when we face the end of our own world, the illness, the death of ones we love, we are capable of being faithful and kind, joyful and loving in a world on fire, a world spinning askew. That does not mean that we do not work for justice. It does not mean that we don't work for the vision of God proclaimed in Isaiah, hoping for, working for a time when all may plant vineyards and eat of their fruit wolf and the lamb shall feed together when the lion shall eat straw like an ox but Jesus instructs his disciples and instructs us of how we are to be in the midst of chaos whether that chaos and pain is in our own house or out in the world Jesus says this testify to your faith in a loving hopeful God Endure patiently and with hope, for not a hair on your head will perish. Don't give in to chaos and hysteria, but offer calm witness to the God of love. As Paul's letter to the Thessalonians says, do not grow weary in doing what is right. So, even in this time, at all times, 
Love your enemies. Forgive those who hurt you. Give generously to those in need. Give to your church community. Care for the sick. Feed the hungry. Visit the imprisoned. Give socks to the homeless. Make your bed. Take out the trash. Take out your neighbor's trash. Hold one another up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't let chaos make you chaotic. Don't let the desperate make you despair. Don't allow distractions distract you from the love of Christ. Be hopeful. Bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. The world is always ending. It goes on ending. But we live out of love. The love of God who promises not a hair of our head will perish and because of God's promises, we will endure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.